Hello, world. I'm Greg Patton. Stand by for news and stuff. Well, I had a couple of testimonies before we got started yesterday at the cross in Fort Wayne. One of them was a gal whose, well, brother-in-law got saved. He'd rejected Christ again and again and again. Then he got saved, passed away the next day, graduated to glory. Great stories. I've shared with you on this program before about my dad, Dr. James Bachman, my pastor at the time, said he thought maybe 400 times. That's how many times he had presented the gospel in one way or another to my dad. who He used to cuss the preacher out, throw him out of the house. And I've said in my position, we're all different, of course. I'd only need a couple of those to be gone forever. Not Bachman. He kept going back, kept witnessing until my dad was on his deathbed at Lutheran Hospital here in Fort Wayne. And, and Pastor Bachman said, do you think, Dallas, that God's talking to us this time? And he said, for the first time, my dad's eyes met his eyes, and it became a reality. And he prayed and trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. You just never know how God's going to work, do you? Great rejoicing. Are you there today? Have you trusted Christ as Savior? Well, praise the Lord. What in the world is going on? Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says, I quit. He announced that he suspended his 2024 presidential campaign, did that yesterday afternoon. DeSantis endorsed President Donald Trump and proclaimed him to be a superior candidate over Sleepy Joe. DeSantis shared a video on the ex-social media platform announcing that he was dropping out of the presidential race on the eve of the New Hampshire primary. DeSantis declared that nobody worked harder, and we left it all out there on the field in the end. He added if there was anything that he could have done to make his campaign more successful, then he absolutely would have done it. The 45-year-old Republican governor of Florida said, I'm proud to have delivered on 100% of the promises I made. I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want Donald Trump to have another chance in the White House. They watched his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare, that's the word, lawfare, to this very day to attack him and try to keep him out of the White House. While I've had disagreements with Trump, such as the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci, Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden, and that is very clear. Oh, this is bizarre. A couple in Kansas has been charged with fraudulently collecting more than $215,000 in retirement benefits on behalf of a relative who's been dead for six years. The couple reportedly kept the course of this person in their home. I wonder where. The authorities said Mike Carroll's pacemaker indicated that he passed away in 2016 at 81 years of age, but the Overland Park Police did not find his body until 2022 when Kirk Ritter, Carroll's son-in-law, reported the death. Prosecutors in the case mentioned Kirk and Lynn Ritter, both 61 years old, continuing to use his bank account after his body had become mummified in one of the Home's bedrooms. How spooky is that, huh? They collected $215,000. Okay. Well, it instantly turned from celebration to tragedy. 
What was supposed to be kind of a company celebration and something unusual quickly turned to something awful as a tech CEO plunged to his death in front of his employees. The tragic death happened at a promotional event for the Illinois-based firm. VizTech CEO Sanjay Shah and VizTech's president Wishnada Rusa Datla were involved in a fatal performance in front of the employees. This was, I guess, Thursday night. During the company's Silver Jubilee celebration, they reported a freak accident. The, the famous team here from India, well, a shocking video says it all. Both of these executives were inside of an iron cage during a performance in, in front of the employees. Great show. The chain supporting the iron cage allegedly failed and caused both executives to fall out and plummet 15 feet onto concrete. The president landed on his head, killed instantly. My, oh my. Did you hear about this one? The head of the World Health Organization, he's called on all the countries to sign the health organization's pandemic treaty to prepare the world for the coming disease X. What? An undesignated term for a future pandemic that could be more deadly than anything humanity has ever faced. The director spoke to the World Economic Forum in Davos on Wednesday, noting they hope nations across this world would reach a, a pandemic agreement by May to address this coming danger. According to the New York Post, scientists have speculated that disease X could be up to 20 times more deadly than COVID-19. Yeah, it's confusing. The border, the border, the border. Quick, get Trump in there to stop before we are totally annihilated. Dateline, New York City, buckling under the self-inflicted illegal immigration crisis. It's been handed by our derelict, dumb, demonic, so-called president. City and state leaders in New York seemingly have no answers, none, to the influx of illegal immigrants. Nearly 100,000 in 2023, besides throwing money at the problem and cannibalizing all other state funded services. It's not a abstract number. New York City, the big apple as that is known, is being transformed by this crisis. You have hundreds of young men, many of them in their 20s, if not most of them, just hanging around in different areas all day long. What would you expect? A recent brawl broke out, 300 of them fighting and not enough cops to handle that whole mess at a migrant center. According to the New York Post and other outlets, a man tried to cut into a long line to get some food. A brawl ensued, and yep, it's changing. Not only New York City, but America. The Wall Street Journal, they, did what they reported Tuesday that New York State will increase its spending on illegal immigration by another 2.4, what? $2.4 billion. The cost of the crisis is projected to reach $10 billion by the summer of 2025. Without real immigration reform and a decompression strategy at the border, there's no end in sight, said Democratic Mayor Eric Adams. It is a total disaster. The only thing, they have to be trying to destroy America, that party in power in Washington. Just true insanity. 
So what do you think's happening in the public school? You know, the school choice policies that are sweeping this nation may be among the most innovative and promising or anything enacted in any recent memory. Yet they also embody a return to principles that were first coming about in American law nearly 400 years ago. In 1642, when the Massachusetts Bay Colony crafted the nation's first education law, its objective was very clear. Moms and dads must educate their children. Echoing Moses' exhortation to Israelite parents to teach their children and their children's children the statutes and the decrees of the Lord. The law recognized not just the grave importance of a good education, of a singular behoof and benefit to any commonwealth, and we quote, but how parents are uniquely positioned to deliver the most benefit. Education entails more than preparation for a workforce, after all. It entails the cultivation of virtue, both intellectual and moral. To educate kids in this way, to form their minds and shape their souls, demands knowledge of their souls, which is to say requires a lot of love. And no one loves a child, or should, more than mom and dad. Just something to think about today. It's all in our new book, The New America, A Flood of Evil, A Visible War on the Saints. We'll let you know when it's available. Living in today's world, it's a fact. But I was reading something that was just to me fascinating. I think it will be to you as well. An amazing discovery. Scientists have discovered that ants, after collecting the grains and seeds that they need for the winter break, the seeds they take down, they break them in half before storing them in their nest because breaking them in half keeps them from germinating, even though the rain and the most perfect germinating conditions exist. But scientists were stunned when they discovered coriander seeds stored in the nest, broken down into not two pieces, but four. After lab research, scientists discovered that coriander seed will still germinate after being divided into, but it won't germinate after divided into four parts. So how do these tiny little things know all of this? Humans know very little. There's a lot to learn from other creatures on the face of the earth. The question is asked, how do they know all of this? They know it because our creator made them with this innate instinct to break it into four pieces. It is built into their very existence. Oh, the power and the wisdom of Almighty God. Fascinating. One more? Why not? There's a little coffee shop where two people arrive and they come up to the counter. Five coffees, please. Two for us and three hanging. They paid, took their two coffees and left. I asked the waiter, What's a hanging coffee? Wait and you'll see. Some more people came in. Two girls asked for a coffee each. They paid and left. The following order was for seven coffees. And it was made by three women. Three for them, four hanging. I was really wondering, what is the meaning of hanging coffees? They just leave. Then a man dressed in worn clothes, who looks like he might be homeless, arrives at the counter and asks sincerely, do you have any coffee hanging? We do, sir. They give him a coffee. And I got my answer. People pay in advance for coffee that will be served to whoever can afford a hot drink. This is in Naples. 
Amazingly, this thing has spread throughout the whole world. It's also possible to order not only hanging coffees, but also a sandwich or a full, low-cost meal. Wouldn't it be great if we could all start doing this in the cities and towns where we live? Just a little kindness like this can impact so many lives in ways we could never imagine. Maybe we ought to try it today. From our dumb and dumber department out in Oklahoma, a radio station was hit by thieves. They cut down the antenna for the for the copper wire. They got a hundred dollars worth of copper wire and did five hundred thousand dollars in damage. Idiots. All in all, sometimes man is so stupid. Nearly every copy of the Horry County Plain Dealer was stolen the other day. The same day the newspaper published a story about the alleged rapes that occurred at the home of the police chief. When the story came out, all the papers had disappeared. Duh. We did it. We made it through the darkest of winter months already. The sun sets at 5 p.m. in New York City tonight. The next pre-5 p.m. sunset won't be until November. Hallelujah. What could we have done with all that money? Ron DeSantis dropped out his presidential bid. All that time and money. $269 million spent to say goodbye. And finally, so many in the new world and the new church going to really be surprised at that prosperity gospel when you find out that it was really everything Satan offered Jesus once. Where's my Bible? Life 101 is next. Thank you, thank you, and thank you, and you, and you. Everyone who listens to Hello World every day at this time and tells others about the broadcast and prays for us and in many cases supports us. Oh, you're just a wonderful group of men and women of all ages. Thank you so very much for being my friend, and I think I love you. So how good are you, my Christian friend? Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 23 and 4. This is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk in all the ways that I've commanded you, that it may be well with you. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but followed the counsels and the dictates of their evil hearts, and went backwards and not forwards. Hebrews three twelve through 16 Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we would hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Jeremiah 2.19, your own wickedness will correct you and your backslidings will rebuke you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God, and the fear of me is not in you, says the God of hosts. Wow. What do you think that guy's doing down in Houston? 50,000 people in his church yesterday, 200 million on the internet. 
uh, his worth value somewhere between 45 and $100 million. And that home, what pastor needs a $14 million home? You know, I was reminiscing about radio, thinking about all of this. I was number one in Indianapolis, Indiana, very popular. And I was such a phony because here's what I did. I told people, in this case, lots of teenagers, 144,000 between the age of 12 and 18 in the city limits of Indianapolis, Indiana alone. This was at our height in 1973. I told the kids what they wanted to hear. I didn't believe a lot of that junk, but I um, went, hey, I wanted to be top dog. And I made it, just told people what they wanted to hear. And I was number one. Today, you tell people what they want to hear, you can still be number one, even in church. But you know what? You tell people the truth and things change drastically. Yeah, I've not been too... You speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. I'm telling you, some pastors are going to have a lot to account for come judgment day. Yeah, your best day now, everything's wonderful. Who doesn't like a positive message in this old negative world? We all do. It's in the flesh. Live like you were dying, my friend. First Thessalonians chapter 1. You know, emerging from ancient Macedonia was a dynamic body of people who lived in a busy, free, affluent place called Thessalonica. The town citizens, they, they were okay. They were influential. The economy is good shape. Its location along the earliest known freeway was enviable. Goods from the east, goods from the west poured into that city. In its heyday, I think a population was like Fort Wayne, about 200,000 people. There were those who considered maybe making Thessalonica rather than Constantinople, the capital city of the world. In the first century A.D., an evangelist, a guy named Paul, ventured into Thessalonica during a brief visit, formed a body of believers there who comprised the city's first real Christian church. And what a dynamic group these people were. They had what you and I need today, real determination, real zeal, real confidence for the real thing, not a feel-good message necessarily, the truth a Pauline style, they proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ like some sort of thunder rolling through a canyon. And you can see through your study of First Thessalonians, and I recommend you read that today. These first century saints were, well, they were models of the real thing. No phony baloney, no fakeness here. They made Christianity contagious to so many in their day. The example they left is worthy of us in this day to consider a few things. We need to be good examples of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's a, a really thin line between healthy admiration and unhealthy exaltation. It's one thing to look upon somebody, a, a person or a place with respect and delight, but it's quite another thing to exaggerate the greatness of that person or the greatness of that location. We want to honestly and fairly assess Thessalonica the Christians who lived there, and the apostle who gave them their start. In so doing, you're going to strip away the veneer of idealism and discover the realistic heart of this ancient letter. And, well, it's really as up-to-date as today. 
God has inspired and preserved his word so that we can understand and apply it to our lives today, not just to be in awe over the thing. So to, uh, to have a proper perspective, we get an overview of the founder of this church, the city in which it existed, and the situation that prompted the writings, a place, a people, a person. You know, the key in life overall to achieve anything, and don't forget this, my friend, whether it's in church or your everyday life, is commitment, something that's really lacking today. Uh, I think unless there's a lot of entertainment and excitement and a lot of the world available, people, what do I want to go to church for? What's in it for me? You need people today to have a great deal of commitment to make that thing work. Who is this guy, Paul? He founded the church of Thessalonica. However, contrary to what many think today, he was not a superman. He was not an evangelist. He was not a flawless church planter. Not at all. He certainly wasn't a dynamic speaker. Wasn't very good, they say. The common opinion about Paul in his own day was conveyed in these words, his letters. It's in 2 Corinthians 10.10. Paul's letters, weighty, strong, but his personal presence is, read it, unimpressive. Is your pastor unimpressive? His speech, contemptible? Paul's was. Really? One ancient writer described Paul as a man of small stature, little guy, bald head, crooked legs, in a good state of body with eyebrows meeting at the somewhat hooked nose. That's Paul. These comments should tell us that God's strength is best manifested through human weakness. When I am weak, what? Yeah, then I'm strong. And here's the key. A person I think that you know today that's really a good Christian, let's say, who is that in your church? That person's greatness is usually exhibited in humility. Paul could not sway the masses with his looks and impressive speeches and a charismatic presence at all. Oh, no. But he could be a willing, tireless servant of the living God, the one who can truly change and prepare people for eternity and life on this earth. It was approximately one year after a three to five week stay in Thessalonica that Paul wrote this letter to the Thessalonian Christians. His purpose was what? To affirm things, to exhort, to continue to, to teach. As was stated earlier, this place was a thriving metropolitan area in the first century. Indeed, even today, it's one of the largest cities in modern Greece, has a new name, Salonica. Paul wrote this letter while he was in the middle of his second missionary journey. Stop in Athens, moved on to Corinth. No doubt Paul had heard reports of the progress of the church, and that caused him to reflect he was excited. So from Corinth, he penned this letter, probably the first of his recorded letters, and it was good. We'll continue this week talking about the church at Thessalonica and why we should be like these people were. Well, everything changes with time, right? I've shared before my wife used to do professional modeling. Nothing looks good on me anymore, said the woman looking into the mirror at the, <laughs> at the dress shop. Nonsense, said the sales clerk. That dress really says it all. That's the problem, said the woman. I need this dress to keep its mouth shut. <laughs>
<laughs> oh, things change as you get a bit older. We don't want to talk about us, do we, guys? Scary. I get out of the shower, look at the mirror, it's a horror show. <laughs> That's it. Uh, that must say for another day. Join me on Facebook, please. I need friends. Greg, G-R-E-G, Patton, P-A-T-T-E-N. And that's it. That's the way it is. Monday, January the 22nd, 2024. I am Greg Patton. God bless you. Have a great day.